0: Welcome Pastor Sid.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah. That was a little loud, but how, do you, how many know a good hallelujahs ought to be loud? Hallelujah. What I want to do before we get into the word that the Lord is for us, let's just take a little bit of time and let's pray and invite Him to have His way and His will with us tonight. Father, I thank You that You hear us and that You promised that You'd never leave us and never forsake us. And we believe that, Father. We're so grateful that You are here with us in spirit and in truth. So Holy Spirit, we invite You to fill us afresh and anew within us, upon us. Lord, we want to see Your people ministered to. We want to see our brothers, our sisters ministered to by You. So I invite You, Father, to touch every person according to Your will, that encounter them in a way that is unique to You and unique to them. And I ask, Lord, that You would give us eyes to see clearly, ears to hear plainly, and an understanding of heart to be able to take and receive Your Word tonight, and that it would transform us, that it would empower us, that it would strengthen us. And we look to you for guidance, Lord, and we bless you for it. Let's do that right now. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. I bless you, Lord. I exalt your name because you are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have a scripture for you. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you know where that scripture is found? Jeremiah? Jeremiah? How about the chapter and verse? 29, 11. How many of you have this up in your house somewhere? A couple hands. You know, it's one of the old favorites, right? And we read the verse, and a lot of times as we do in, on scriptures that become favorites to this, we kind of forget the context that they're in. And context is everything, right? Because the context that this verse was given was pretty dire. It wasn't a pretty situation. In fact, if you would, just go over to Jeremiah 29, and we're going we're gonna to read in there t- tonight and a few other places. In Jeremiah He was a prophet and and in his day and in his age, they had Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came in and captured a whole bunch of people and carried them off to Babylon and this would have been when Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego all got captured and taken. And so now it's a couple years after this has happened and Jeremiah is still back in Jerusalem. He did not get, get taken and so he got left at home, and so he's writing a letter to the people that are in captivity now for a couple years in, over in Babylon. And, you know, when we read these verses, if you could put it up on the screen, 29-11. When you, when you look at this, so this is in the uh, New King James, thus says the Lord of hosts, that'd be the God of armies. Interesting that He makes sure they understand that. It's the God of armies saying this. Because you know, when you get into trouble and it looks like you're defeated on every end, and it looks like you've lost, and it looks like everything has been defeated, everything is lost, it's good to know that we have the God of armies as the one we serve. So He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He's writing this to people who have lost everything they've owned. Everything. They've lost family members. We don't know if we'll ever see them again. They've lost their future and their hope it appears like. They're in a faraway land. They don't even know the language. They don't know the cultures. They don't know the food. Everything is new. And things look like pretty horrible. And so many times when we read this, you know, we read it from the comfort of our couch, right? With our loved ones around us, with a full tummy, cup of coffee in hand, right? So it's easy to believe this verse. Because, yeah, everything I've got going on is amazing here. But when you look at who it was given to and the conditions that they were suffering, I'm going to start in in verse 1. This is um, about 594 B.C. approximately. So, almost 600 years before Christ, and in verse 1, um, he says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining exiled elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King jeconiah the queen mother, the court officials, and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metalsmiths had left Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elisa, son of Shaphan, and Gamorai, son of Hilkai, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The letter stated. Now this is what in verse 4. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles, I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, I want you to notice that God takes ownership of their difficulties. Isn't that interesting? That God takes ownership of it because they'd been judged. They hadn't been walking after Him. They hadn't been serving Him. And they'd brought this on themselves. They'd brought the judgment of God upon themselves. And so, He's saying, you know, I did this. He says in verse 5, He says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it thrives, you will thrive. Now how many know that the Babylonians were just as ungodly and as heathen as they come. And because there is a people there that the Lord calls His own people, if they will put down roots, if they will pray for the well-being of this God-forsaken place, then the Lord would actually bless them on their account. These times some of you start praying and expecting the goodness of God to show up in your workplace it might be a God-forsaken place, but you're there. And if He would do this for a people that He had a covenant that is not as good as the covenant that you and I have, then certainly He'll do it for the place where you're at. And you're at your place of work by your own choice. You weren't carried there. Right? So here they are. And the Lord says, you know what? Build yourself houses. Live in them. Because, see, the hope is, is this is going to be over and we're going to go back home. We'll just keep living in the tents. We'll just keep, you know, holding out hope that we're going to go back home. This is going to be over real shortly and we're going back home. And he's saying, hey, listen, you're going to be here for a while. In fact, we'll keep reading and you'll see that he's going to tell them how long they're going to be there. He's going to tell them they're going to be there for 70 years. So you guys need to just go ahead and, you know what? Carry on, move on with life, live blessed, pray for the well-being of this place. Now, beginning about a year before this, there had been some unrest in the Babylonian kingdom, and there had been some civil uprisings, and there were some Jewish people that were a part of that. So, Jeremiah, he hears about this, he's just telling them, hey, look guys, don't be a part of that, settle down, and be blessed where you're at. I'm going to start in verse 5 again because there's someone here that needs to hear this again. Build houses, now apply this to you. I mean, if we can apply verse 11 to us, we can apply this to us too. Even though we've got a, a president that doesn't know what he's doing, and a whole bunch of people around in the country that don't like our country, right? even though we're surrounded by all this ridiculousness, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves. Guys, that means just one wife. Not not multiples. (laughs) Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Look at your neighbor and say, multiply where you're at. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I will multiply where I am. And listen, if the greater one lives in you, then there is nothing that could stop you from multiplying where you're at and expanding and growing and flourishing. And because of it, your neighbor on both sides of your place are more blessed than they'd be if you weren't there. Just because the favor of God's over your house. You know, tornadoes don't strike your house because you live there. Well, guess who's living beside you? Your neighbors and they benefit from it. Or at your workplace. Right? They're blessed because you're there. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Plant gardens. You wouldn't plant a garden if you didn't have the expectancy to eat from it. Right? So it's going to take faith. Plant. Eat. Find wives. Give your sons and daughters. Have children. Multiply. Verse 7, pursue the well-being of the city. Or the peace of the city. Or the shalom of the city. The well-being of the city isn't just... I mean, that covers virus-free, right? That's prosperity. That's abundance. That's peace. Pursue it. Notice how he said, pursue it. He didn't say, sit by and wait for it. Pray for someone else to do it. You know, because we can't have... We can't have well-being until we've got a different president. Well, I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty bad guy. And in spite of that, they were supposed to pursue, pursue, go after the well-being of their city. Now, one of the ways that we do that is we do get involved in the political realm. Right? We do step into that and pursue the well-being of our county, of our city, of the places that we live. But obviously, it's going to be more than just praying about it. Then he says, pray. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, and when it thrives, you will thrive. Now, did you catch that? He did not say, when you thrive, it will thrive. To put others first, and then you will be blessed. It's the principle of subtraction makes multiplication, right? I don't know, common core math or something, but (laughs) take away and then you've got more. Only God can do that. Pray on the behalf of the city, and when it thrives, you will thrive. For this is what the Lord of armies, don't forget, I'm fighting for you. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. Well, they were claiming, these prophets, if you look back in chapter 28, they were claiming that this thing was going to be over in two years. Two years, it's done. Which would keep people from putting down roots and building houses, because why would you build a house that you're going to be going away from in two years? Right? With the civil uprisings that are happening, it's very believable that in two years, this could, you know, the whole kingdom of, of Babylon will crumble. And yeah, this will be over in two years. But the Lord is giving them a different message. And he's saying, guys... This isn't true. I didn't say that. They're just coming up with stuff. Verse 10. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being. For your shalom. Not for disaster. To give you a future And a hope. A future and a hope. The literal translation of this says, I know the purposes which I'm planning for you, says Jehovah. Purposes of peace and not for evil. To give you posterity and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me. And find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes. And gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. You can hold your finger here. And I'm going to turn and read to you out of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. So in Daniel 9, verses 1 and 2, now this is years into Daniel's captivity. I mean, like many years later. And Daniel, it says, in the first year of Darius, well, remember, Daniel had gone through Nebuchadnezzar's life as king, and then Nebuchadnezzar's son, and he was king for a short time. And then along came the Medes, the Persians. And, and So now, this is in the first year of that. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarus, a Mede by birth, who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So Daniel discovers in the writings of Jeremiah, the Lord said, we'd be here for 70 years. And he realizes, time's up. We're right there. We're at the 70 year mark. And so, what does he do? Well, what was the instruction? It was like, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found for you and I will restore your fortunes and all of that. So When Daniel found what was written, he didn't just find the 70 years, he found the promises that came with it, and what was going to happen, and what his part in it was. And so he just obeys the word that he had found, and begins to pray. And in Daniel, it says in verse 3, so I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek Him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed And then it goes into his prayer that he prayed. And we know that shortly thereafter, they started being sent back to Jerusalem. And then came along those that were building the temple. They got sent back to build the temple. And the Lord did exactly what He said He would do for them. Alright, back in Jeremiah. I'm going to begin in... in I just because I want to read some more of this. In verse 15... 29:15 15 you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon but this is what the Lord says concerning the king sitting on David's throne and concerning all the people living in the city that is concerning your brothers who did not go with you into exile this is what the Lord of armies says I am about to send sword famine and plague against them and I will make them like rotten figs that are inedible because they're so bad I will pursue them with sword, famine, and plague. I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. A curse and a desolation. An object of scorn and a disgrace among all the nations where I have banished them. I will do this because they have not listened to my words. This is the Lord's declaration. The words that I sent to them with my servants, the prophets, time and time again. Isn't it amazing how merciful the Lord is? That He doesn't give one warning. And then say, I told you, away with them, off with their head. Right? But he tells them time and time again, and a lot of time there's lots of space in between there. And he, he keeps pleading with them. And he says, you too have not listened, this is the Lord's declaration. So in verse 20, hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says about Ahab, son of Colai, and concerning Zedekiah, son of the ones prophesying a lie to you in my name. I'm about to hand them over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and he will kill them before your very eyes. Based on what happens to them, all the exiles of Judah who are in Babylon will create a curse that says, May the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in fire. Because they have committed an outrage in Israel by committing adultery with their neighbor's wives. And have spoken in my name a lie which I did not command them. I am he who knows. And I am a witness. This is the Lord's declaration. Now about a thousand years before this. There was a king in that region of, of Babylon. And he was, he was called King I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Hammerby or something like that. He's a famous king and you can Google and read about him. And he was the one who had put into law the code that anyone who commits treason and there was various other crimes that they would get burnt alive, roasted in a furnace. Okay, so a thousand years later, King Nebuchadnezzar is still adhering to this decree. Right? Remember the three Hebrew men that got thrown into the fiery furnace? Right? That was because that was their code. And they considered it treason. I love how history will back up the Bible when you get into it and look at it. Alright, let's keep reading here in verse 24. So now here it says to Shemaiah the Nethamite, You are to say, and what this was is, is Jeremiah is telling them, he's quoting a letter that they had gotten earlier. It says, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. You are in your own name, have sent out letters to all the people of Jerusalem, to the priest Zephaniah son of Masih, to all the priests, saying. And then he quotes this other letter. The Lord has appointed you priest in place of the priest Jehodiah. Je- Je- to be the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, responsible for every madman who acts like a prophet. You must confine him in the stocks in an iron collar. So now, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth, who has been acting like a prophet among you? For he has sent word to us in Babylon, claiming that the exile will be long, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat their produce. And the priest, Zephaniah, read this letter In the hearing of the prophet Jeremiah. So instead of doing what he said. And putting him in chains and stuff. He actually just reads it to Jeremiah. And so. In verse 30. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Send a message to all the exiles. Saying this is what the Lord says. Concerning Shemaiah. The Nehelamite." Because Shemaiah prophesied to you, though I did not send him, and made you trust a lie. This is what the Lord says, I'm about to punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite and his descendants. And there will not be even one of his descendants living among these people, nor will any ever see the good that I bring to my people. This is the Lord's declaration, for he has preached rebellion against the Lord. So I read all of that to you just to give you context of that famous scripture that we love so much. That the Lord, the thoughts that He thinks towards you are thoughts for your well-being, for your peace, for your shalom. That you have a future and a hope that you are not at the end of your road. Or the end of your rope. Right? That there is more in store for you. That the best is yet to come. Put up on the screen... um, Galatians let's go Galatians 3:13 Galatians 3:13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed so the Lord purchased he paid the price he took care of the bill that was against us the debt that was against us By redeeming us from the curse of the law. And and I believe most of you know what that curse was. If you go to Deuteronomy 28 and you begin reading in verse 16 all the way to the end of the chapter, it tells us exactly what the curse is and it's not pretty. But we've been redeemed from that. And because we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, we can with confidence... Because see, I've heard people try to take Jeremiah 29.11 away from the body of Christ. That wasn't written to believers, that was written to them back then. He was saying that specifically to them and it doesn't apply to us. Well, guess what? We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. They weren't. And if the Lord would do that for an unredeemed people, then He will surely do that for His own children. Because He said the covenant is better. Right? That we have more than what they had. It goes further than what theirs would do. I mean, if their covenant was a $50 bill, ours is a $100 bill. And the $100 includes everything the $50 has but more. Right? And so here, in, I'll read to you in uh, Colossians chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by Him. Look at your neighbor and say, You have been filled by Him. Now say, I have been filled by Him. And Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Well, that's good news. Every ruler, every authority, everything that would come against you, everything that's been arranged against you, every spirit that has laid traps for you, all of them. He is the head and ruler and authority. And you you were also circumcised in Him with a circumcision not done by hands. See, Paul in Romans called it circumcision of the heart. A circumcision of the heart. Remember, circumcision is a sign of covenant. And to the new believer, to the new covenant believer, Paul said, it's not done in the flesh anymore, it's done in the heart. Covenant, sign of covenant, better covenant. You are also circumcised with Him... In a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when, it's not done, it's going to tell you how and when, when you were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with Him and forgave us all our trespasses. And now I love this next part. He erased. means it doesn't exist anymore. When you write something in a pencil on a paper and then you take the eraser and erase it, you don't see it anymore. At least if you have a quality paper and a quality eraser. And we know that the blood of Jesus is the best eraser in the world. doesn't matter what quality of paper that parchment you use. He erased the certificate of debt. Ha! I'd like to go have a contract with a debt on a house that's written in pencil. Wouldn't that be great? And you can come along and erase the contract and the debt mo- amount and write in zero. That'd be great. See, there's a reason they don't do contracts in pencil. Right? But here, he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed. He took their tools away. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. You want to talk about having a plan for you and a purpose for you and one of hope and a future and good thoughts towards you. And the only thing that's required of us is that we seek Him. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I mean, there's not a better deal on the planet. And for you guys that like deals, this is the deal of a lifetime. Deal of eternity. Goes so much more than a lifetime, doesn't it? All of this... Is another way of saying that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from all of that. In fact, let's go over to Deuteronomy 28. You could be stone blind and look around and see curse all around you, right? And so it doesn't take a very observant person to see curse everywhere. But it's why the Lord looks at you as so valuable, because you're his agent, you're his child. And you're in that situation. Remember, as they prosper, you'll prosper. Pray for their well-being. Maybe you find yourself in a situation or, or maybe even your home life is just crap. Right? Maybe your relationships are broken or, or whatever. You're in pain and you're hurting. Listen. Pray for their well-being. Pray. This is the best way that I have personally found to help me get across and through something is to pray for their good. Pray for their good. When someone takes advantage of me, that's how I forgive them. I say, I release them. I forgive them. They owe me nothing. And then I pray. And I say, Lord, bless them. Be good to them. Cause them to flourish and multiply. Bring blessing into their life that's just undeniably you. Show them your goodness, Lord. I'm not holding it against them, so neither should you, Lord. Bless them. Man, that does something in my heart. Because I want to see their good. And it just causes... The words I spoke about releasing and forgiving them to to settle into my heart. Move from my head to my heart. Right? Does that make sense? Alright, did you find Deuteronomy 28? Here in, uh, I'm not going to look at the curse. Someone say, I'm redeemed from that. I like to just walk around and talk to my problems when they show up. No, I'm redeemed from that. What about when your problem is self-inflicted? Say it louder. I'm redeemed from that. That's right. Even when your problem is self-inflicted. See, when he erased the certificate of debt, he meant it. I'm so grateful that my self-inflicted problems, that the Lord redeemed me from the curses of them. That doesn't mean that there's never a consequence you have to deal with, right? I mean, there can be consequences for walking outside of the will of God. But if you just repent from them and walk in the redemption of it, He can make those consequences even be turned for your good. I'll give you an example. Take someone who commits adultery and gets somebody pregnant. And then, then what? You know, the, the consequence is, is a child that's is doesn't have both parents. The consequence is they have to now deal with their sin. Their sin becomes public. Right? But can that child be turned into a major blessing, not only to them personally, but to the entire planet? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, just because you deserve it, in the negative sense, Go back to, you know what, I'm redeemed from that. I'm redeemed from it. Here is the reality that he held out for the children of Israel under the covenant that's not as good as the one you and I have. And this is what he says to them in verse 1. Now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come and overtake you. You ever been chased by a blessing? He did not say that you'll just be chased by blessings. He said they're going to run you down. They're going to overtake you. In other words, you're not getting away from them. This is good news. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city. Someone say, I'm blessed in the city. And I'm blessed in the country. My offspring are blessed. My land's produce is blessed. He goes on, he says, The offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks, they're all blessed. If you have a cat, God forbid, that cat is blessed. You know that? That's how good God is. That proves His goodness that He'd bless a cat. At least if you own it. If it's yours. It says, your basket and your kneading bowl will be blessed. What does a basket and a kneading bowl represent today? Yeah, your work, your income, your food source, your efforts. I mean, it would be bad to have your kneading bowl cursed. Because either that's going to mean that the stuff you're eating out of there is really bad for you. and It is poisoning you. Or there's nothing in it to eat right but so the exact opposite of that is it's good for you that's why you better pray over those lucky charms before you eat them (laughs) twice i'm looking at my son but it means your food source is blessed there's plenty of it and it's good for you what else does he say You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Someone say, my basket and kneading bowl is blessed. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. The Lord will cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will march out against you from one direction, but flee from you in seven directions. We don't even have English language for that many directions. Right? We've got north and south and east and west. and I guess if you start throwing in, you know, northwest, north and all those, you, you could maybe get a seven. But they're gone. They're scattered. Verse 8, the Lord will grant you. You know what a grant is? It's something that you don't pay back. He will grant you a blessing on your barns. And, and on everything you do. Everything you put your hand to. That's pretty epic. Everything that you would do, He would bless. That He would be behind it. That He'd be breathing life into it and giving you favor. He will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you. If you're established, that gives the idea of someone that's not easily shaken, right? You're established. You're not easily moved. You're you're standing on the rock. You're established. The Lord will establish you as His holy people as He swore to you. Now, keep in mind, He's talking to a group of people that the Spirit of God cannot live in. They're his chosen people, but the Spirit of God does not live on the inside of them like he does you and I. And he's gonna call gonna have the audacity to call them holy. I mean, if he could see them as holy, then how much more you? How much more Jesus Christ? I mean, that's his holiness, his righteousness was given to you. Condemnation is just a curse. And so much we walk in it as believers. Just not even realizing it sometimes. The Lord will establish you as His holy people. As He swore to you, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you bear the Lord's name. It's a good name. They will stand in awe of you. The Lord will make you prosper abundantly with offspring. The fruit of your womb is blessed. Someone say, the fruit of my womb is blessed. That wasn't very convincing. Someone say it again. The fruit of my womb is blessed. I understand what the problem is. A bunch of you are done having children and you don't want to say that too loud because, well. <laughs> but listen, if you had little ones already, then they're blessed. They're the fruit of your womb. The offspring of your livestock and your land's produce in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give you. See, the Lord keeps His promises. His promises. Keeps his promises. It's like, hey man, I, I told you guys, you know, I told your ancestors I would do this for them, and I'm still meaning it. That's awesome. Verse 12, the Lord will open for you. Someone say, The Lord will open for me his abundant storehouse. He says, the sky to give your land rain in its season and bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will only move upward and never downward if you listen to the Lord your God's commands I'm giving to you today and are careful to follow them. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left from all the things I'm commanding you today and do not follow other gods to worship them. And then in verse 15, maybe I said 16 earlier in the evening. But verse 15 is where he starts to detail out the consequences and the curses for not walking in his way and in his will and in his word. But here, this passage right here. You know, Scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If we'll take these verses and we'll begin to meditate all the verses in the Bible that talk about you being blessed, about you being favored, about the righteousness of God coming on you and God having favor towards you, if you'll start putting those scriptures into your heart and believing and meditating and and mumbling those scriptures, instead of grumbling about the weather, mumbling about the blessing that He opens up the storehouses of heaven for me when we need rain, we have rain. The land is blessed because I'm in it and I'm blessed because I'm in the land. Right? And we begin to develop an image that God sees on the inside of us. And when that image begins to grow and begins to to expand from a place of faith and a place of belief, we'll begin to see that happen and manifest in our life. In our happenings. In our bank accounts. in, In all these things. And now remember. Okay, so let me just ask a question. Do these first 14 verses do they sound like they would detail what the Lord means when He says, I've got a plan for you, a purpose and a hope and a future for you, and I have your prosperity in mind. It would sound like something like this, right? And He said that to people that weren't experiencing any of those things. So it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in right now. Or how cursed you've felt. Or, or how defeated or beat or, or broken that you've felt or been in the past. What matters is what He said about your future. And it's a good future. Some, just close your eyes and just say that to the Lord. Thank You for my good future. I believe You, Lord. That I am blessed. That Your favor is on me. When I come in and when I go out. Thank You, Lord. Alright, John, if I could have you maybe on the keyboard or I'm gonna close with something that Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus. It's in modern day Turkey. And they were they were dealing with some things, they were facing some things, and and so he comes to them and at the end of the book of the letter of Ephesians. He said, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Now the only reason you would say that to someone is because their current position, their current place didn't seem like that. Maybe they weren't experiencing all of that. So he's going to encourage them. He says, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on You know, the Word says, let the weak say, I'm strong. It didn't say, let the weak, if they feel strong, declare their strength. But in their present condition, he says, I am strong. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, the flesh and blood that's been showing up as a problem in your life, whether it's your own flesh and blood or maybe a, a spouse or a child or a different relationship or a coworker they're not your problem. Our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Now there would be no need for armor if there wasn't going to be an evil day. And even when you find yourself in the middle of Babylon, that would be the evil day. There's a way out and God has good things in His heart and in store for you. Having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. You know, if you love the truth more than you love anything else, you're going to make it through and you're going to come out on the other side. You're going to walk in victory. Righteousness like armor on your chest. Someone say, I am the righteousness of God. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Ha! I love it. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. So where does condemnation come? It comes to your head. But with the helmet of salvation... It can block all of those things. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So this is not only for their own benefit, but it's for the benefit of their brothers and sisters on either side of them, and for all the saints. I want to encourage you to to pray for each other this week. Pick one, two, or a dozen people and pray for them by name this week. Lift them up to the Lord. And, And pray in the Spirit over that person until something comes up in English to pray over them and then pray it out in English. And then pray in tongues again until you know how to pray it out in English again. As Paul made this statement, he says, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So even the great and mighty Paul needed prayer, and he figured it didn't make a difference in his life. He knew he was blessed. He's the one who wrote about all these blessings. But he still figured your prayer wouldn't make a difference. So put on the full armor so that we're well prepared. Keep your eyes on the blessings like David did before he went and killed Goliath, right? He kept going around asking, what's going to be done for the one that takes out the giant? Oh man, he's going to, he's going to get the princess. He's going, his family's not going to have to pay taxes. You know, he keeps, so he goes to someone else. What did he say would happen? And he keeps feeding that image on the inside. And then he goes out and takes care of business. And so let's do the same thing. Let's put on our armor. Let's feed the image on the inside of God's promises, of what He said He would do. Hey, if He said that I'll do anything you ask Me to do, He meant it. If He said that whatsoever you ask, it'd be done for you, then He meant it. If He said that whatever you say with your mouth, that it can be created, then He meant it. So let's live like it this week. Let's live intentionally. Let's put our words to work for us this week. Let's pray for each other this week. That when we come back together at the campground next weekend, that we're all on fire, that we're built up, that we're strong. In fact, I like what Troy said. Invite someone to come with you, not just next weekend, but we need to really we need to come up in this area of being uh, holding each other encouraging each other, provoking each other to love and good works and inviting and bringing people with us to church. It's really easy to ask someone, hey, why don't you come to church with me? You'll either love it or hate it. Let's find out. (laughs) They'll think it's funny and come just to find out. And as we stir ourselves up in the Lord and each other up in the Lord and in prayer, we're going to be ready for service burning brightly, full of strength. The most encouraging people that we know. But just remember when you're all fired up and man shining brightly that when you come into the campground the speed limit's still 10 miles an hour over there. You know, I felt attacked when he said that. Especially when Cindy shoots that look at me. So come burning brightly. Stand with me. Let's pray. God, You're so amazing. You're so good. You're kind. Always patient. Long-suffering to us. Thank You for thinking about us. For having a good thoughts in Your heart towards us. Thank You for planning ahead on our behalf. And setting relationships and divine appointments in our future. Thank You for that. Thank You that You have nothing but peace and prosperity and abundance in store for us. And that the thoughts You think about us are only good. Only good. Thank You for that. Father, thank You for giving us a place to worship. For giving us the ability to meet in comfort. Thank You for family that You've surrounded us with and that You've put us in the greatest nation on earth. Thank You that You've blessed us with blessings stacked on blessing. Father, You've just been so good. My words fail me in, in trying to describe how good You are. Thank You for wiping away our debt, our sins. Thank You for just erasing that whole certificate and writing a new one. Thank You for for writing out a certificate of life. For writing out a will and testament that declare we're part of Your family and that we can go by Your family name and, and that the good things of the kingdom that You've prepared for us belong to us. Thank You that You've dispatched angels to help us. Thank You that You've given us Your Spirit to guide us and to direct us and to lead us. You're so awesome, God. Thank You for being a good Father. For being good. Just no shadow of turning from it. Thank You for health. For life. For touching our bodies and bringing us back from, from the pit and for all the miracles that You've done for us. Who else could do such a thing? Only You. Father, we're grateful for our family members that are already with You. And Lord, we're, we're looking forward to the day that we'll have a reunion. Thank You, Lord, that You're so patient that You keep giving us more time. That You've not ended everything yet because the people that don't know You yet and don't know You as Daddy that they would and Thank you for being patient. Father, I ask that you touch each person that's here, every person that's going to listen on the Internet, that this next week is a week where we become more and more aware of your favor upon us, of the destiny and calling that you have for us individually, for us as families, and for us as a corporate family. Thank you for bringing people into this place and into this house, into Church of the Word. People that you've had your hand on and and that you've arranged for such a time as this, for that we would walk together in unity and in strength and in power to accomplish all that you want to do through us. And Father, here we are. Here we are. Send us. Send us here to the people in this land here to the people in in this state, to the people in this nation, to the people in this continent, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Lord, I'm asking You to do supernatural things and miracles in our lives and to enable us to, in greater degrees. I know, Lord, that You're not holding back from us and that we stand in our own way. Help us to get out of the way and receive from You the fullness that You've prepared and held in Your heart since the foundation of the world for this time and season. I call Your goodness into our understanding in greater measure than ever before. And I bless these people, Lord, Your people. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I call down the gifts of heaven upon them in a mighty way. Lord, they are the healed. I give them peace in Jesus' name. I give you peace in Jesus' name. And prosperity and abundance. And eyes to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, I ask you to put a supernatural draw. A supernatural draw upon this house of worship. Bring people in from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Bring people in. Open up their eyes to this place that they would come in and be fed and go out in strength and in glory and bringing in Your glory everywhere they go and everywhere they walk. Lord, we're going to cooperate with You. With Your agenda, with Your will, with Your timing. We're going to walk with You. We're not going our own way. We're not going to walk our own way. No, Lord. We're going to stay in step with You. You have full reign and full right in this house. You are the great shepherd of this house. And we would have it no other way, Father. No other way. So, as an under-shepherd, under You, Lord, in this house, I present these people, Your sheep, and myself to you Lord for your service for your purposes for your plan and Lord if we're hindering your plan in any way I give you permission to reveal that to us so that we can hit the mark exactly like you imagined it and Father I ask for your imagination to be birthed on the inside of us that we would begin to see as you want it to be seen that we would begin to know and to recognize as you want it to be known and recognized. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Who can say amen? It's still a quiet bunch. Who has a testimony you'd like to share?
2: Yeah, go ahead and grab that. You'll have to turn it on. So, for the past, I'd say, roughly a month, I had started a new job at a flour mill. And with that, I started a new bank over here, Truist. And it was problems straight from the get-go. I got locked out twice from my entirety of funds, once for a problem that wasn't really even identified, and the second time for a check that didn't clear. And it wasn't just the check that I wasn't allowed to have, it was my entire bank account. So bills were unpaid, I couldn't get gas in my car hardly, and literally up until, I think it was Thursday this week, I didn't have any money, and finally like my bosses got together, the financial head at my, at my work literally came with me to the bank, and they got it settled right there in-house. I have my money, I moved it to a safer place, hopefully, <laughs> and my bills are paid, and I have financial freedom. Wow. Praise the Lord.
1: Which reminds me, um, from now until the end of the year, every every weekend we're going to have the alms basket out on the table in the back. And if you need anything, you help yourself from that basket. And if you have extra and you'd like to bless someone else, then you can put money in it. But that'll be there every week, and um, we're going to have we're going to have one of the ushers standing there, and um, just so that there's some accountability that the whole basket doesn't walk away and people wonder where it went. Now, you can take all the money out of the basket. We just want to know wh- who took it, all right? So uh, that there can be accountability as well. All right, so that'll be there. Troy?
2: All right. I have a testimony actually for something that took place in our home group, um, but it's, it's for someone else. It's for Jim over here, uh, Jim Everhart. We, we at home group were praying for people who had uh, given... Needs or expressed needs, and his was for his need to be healed. And the testimony comes from me primarily because it was the first time I've had this happen to me in the way that it did. I've laid hands on people and I've seen them healed immediately, miraculously, because I know the Lord can do it, I believe it, and I know we receive it. And we, as I was praying for, for Jim, I actually had to open up one eye as, as, as what was taking place took place, because as I had my hand on his knee and we were all gathered around him and praying for him, I could actually feel the Lord healing his knee. I could feel the movement in there, and Jim was not moving his leg in any way, shape, or form. So it was a miraculous healing, and wow, that's all I can say.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Lord. How many live ones do we have in here tonight? All right. As you go, bless one another, love on each other, and be the light in the salt of the earth.
0: How's everybody tonight? (laughs) Shawnee says, yeah. Let's all stand up tonight. So yes, this is different. But different's okay. So Sid asked me to open up with the majority of our worship tonight because he's ministering at a wedding and he wasn't sure whether he'd get here on time. So we're going to go ahead without him a bit and then they're going to show up and it's all going to be good, right? So can we do the worship at the beginning this time, like instead of the end? Do something different for a change? What do you say? Hey. Say hey. Say hey. Wow, you guys are receptive tonight. I like it. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, something great is going to happen tonight. Turn to your other neighbor and say, something great is going to happen tonight. Hallelujah! You know, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Exceedingly, abundantly. See, there's a bunch of adjectives there. It's not just one. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Say all. All we can ask or think. According to the power that works in us. So let's stir up that power tonight. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him. Give Him the glory that's due His name, okay? Yes, yes. thank you for the word that's going to go forth. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another. We thank you for your love just filling this place right now. Thank you for guiding and directing us in our lives. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us even when we've messed up. Thank you that you promise never to leave us or forsake us. But you're always there for us. Jesus. So good. Okay. Hallelujah. We can all take a seat.
3: Well, good evening, everyone. Everybody's pretty chill tonight. You glad to be here? Everybody doing all right? All right, awesome. Who here has a bulletin? God bless Debbie. I'll take a bulletin. (laughs) Thank you. Reading for the first time. All right, well, who's excited to return the tithe to the Lord tonight? All of us? Good. You know, God has our best at heart, so... Anything he requires or asks of us, it's for our good. Do we have any guests with us for the first time? Anybody? Very first time at Church of the Word. In the back, welcome. We're so glad you're with us tonight. Can we give her a hand clap? Make her feel welcome. Anybody need a cash envelope for your giving? Just raise your hand. Did they announce that juniors are in the class tonight? I see, uh, okay, see that note here. And, Troy, I didn't have a chance to speak to you, but I'll call you up. <laughs> All right. All right, returning the tithe. How many of you know that Jesus taught a math formula? He taught subtraction equals multiplication. <laughs> Did you know that? All right, well, since if you didn't know that, turn over in your Bibles to Luke. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to just set that aside for just a second, and we're going to start reading in uh, verse 32 it says do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom why didn't he why did he say don't be afraid it's in that very next phrase that he said he said be quiet because he's given us the kingdom so the solution or the remedy to fear in particular the fear of not having enough provision is in the kingdom of God. It's been given to us. So that realization should set us free from fear of lack, fear of not having enough. I mean, he wouldn't tell us to do something that was impossible, right? He wouldn't say, don't fear if we didn't have to. He has a solution for us. So here in um, verse 33, here's a subtraction equals multiplication formula. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys so what did he say subtraction sell your possessions give to the poor and you'll have what storehouse says purses for who Why wow, you all are quiet who's it for who's the purses for yourselves he says provide purses for yourselves in heaven so he's saying there's this multiplication that happens when you release you give away and then it's multiplied back to you as you've given away so maybe you're sitting here and saying well yeah but Jen it says it says in heaven provide purses provide uh, treasure for yourself in heaven so We're on the earth, so therefore it's not accessible until I die and go to heaven. (laughs) Maybe you're thinking that. Okay, well, first of all, is God a God of abundance? Because if that's the way you're thinking, you're just kind of revealing, no, God's really not a God of abundance. Uh, He really isn't about prospering me. Have you thought about where in the Lord's Prayer he says, okay, now i got to quote it, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth, as it is, where? Ah, so if he's all abundant and he's all prosperous and got all this gold and pearls and stuff going on in heaven, do you think he wants his will done on earth as well? So if he has an abundant mindset in heaven, does he want that abundant mindset here on the earth? Yes, he does. All right, well, let me just add to that. In Mark 10, remember a couple Sundays, Saturdays, a little slow, even a year later, uh, we talked, we, we brought out the story in Mark 10 about the rich young ruler. Well, he said to him, he told him also, he said, go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Where most people say, well, you cannot touch it until you die, you know. Well, what did he say after that man went away sad and sorrowful? He said to the disciples, (laughs) you know, he would have had a hundredfold in this lifetime. So it's not a treasure that's not accessible in this lifetime. It's, oh, in fact, he says it's free from the devastation and destruction of the elements of of this realm. Thieves can steal. um, Inflation can rob it. Economy can tank. I don't know, the stock can go bad, whatever. Robbers, I already mentioned that. <laughs> you get my point. It's outside of that. I'm so thankful for this principle because I know in our life we've experienced this. We've obeyed scripture. We've given to the poor. We've returned the tithe. And there's been times we've come against, up against a need that we didn't foresee. And, but you know what? We have a storehouse of provision. We didn't see how it was going to be met, but the Lord did. And he brought it to us. He got it to us. He, it transcends what you come up against in this natural realm. So subtraction equals multiplication. So in the same way, when he says to bring in the tithe, you see that? You bring in the tithe to the Lord's house. And then what does he do? He opens up the windows of heaven, pouring out blessing more than you can even receive. I'm so glad for that. How about you? glad that you're not limited by what you can do that you got a supernatural God with an abundant mindset who's for you I am so let's take a hold of our tithe and let's pray over it Lord we're so thankful for your principles of prosperity your principles of abundance that you want to increase us to see us thrive and flourish and that you want to see your kingdom established in the hearts of men So we just thank you for these laws of increase that you've made available to us. I thank you for our sources of income and the resources that you've put in our hands. And I ask you to bless every tither here. And I thank you, Lord, for the provision for every need represented in this house and any that are to come. I thank you, Lord, that you've promised to be our need meter. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. And yes, it is the Mission Saturday, so as I go through the announcements, you can go ahead and be preparing those checks if you haven't already. And as we've said before, whatever you designate it for in the memo field, it goes 100% to that ministry or individual. Just do please fill out different checks for each place. All right, the bulletin. This should be good. It's it's good to be coming. Um, yes, we came straight away from Jake and Elizabeth's wedding, which was fantastic, by the way. Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Jake Gilmore. Very exciting to be there. So next week is that uh, our service is going to be at the campground. So Troy, do you want to come up here and talk about that a little bit? That would be good fit and I can look at the rest. <laughs>
2: yes, thank you. All right. Well, as, as Jen just said, we're not going to be here next week. So if you come here and you see that there are very few cars, it's because we're not here. We're just literally across the street at the camp meeting. Um, it will look like what you see behind us there. You can fit a thousand people in there. So guess what? Invite your family and your friends and your neighbors and anybody that you see to come on that day, October 1st. It's going to be an exciting time. And I was the one that had the opportunity to put the sign up next next door. Uh, And I I don't know what they think about it, but I don't care. Uh, I, I put on that we're going to do praise and worship and power. There's going to be power in that service. And a lot of that power is going to come from what we hear from our pastor as the Holy Spirit works through him and speaks through him. So please, please, please come out. Now, Why I'm up here, I'm up here for logistics as well, to encourage you to come, but also for logistic purposes. When you go across and go into the the, uh, campground, um, you want to go in and it's 10 miles an hour, just so you know that. And there are some older people over there that do watch the 10 miles an hour thing. I'm just telling you. So please go as, as slowly as you possibly can and follow the sign for the tabernacle. There there are two signs, one says cottages, one says tabernacle. If you go to the cottages, you have to go the whole way around, which is fine because then you get to see all the cottages, but the tabernacle will be at the end of that that course. However, if you follow the tabernacle sign, it'll take you right to it. We're right next door, we have a a cottage over there, um, so you can either park beside our cottage or park in behind the tabernacle. There's a lot of gravel there. There will be several of us over there that will be directing traffic and helping you to park. You are allowed to park in the grass. and uh, do the best you can. Uh, you, do you know Andrew Taylor? Who knows Andrew Taylor? He's over there too. Park beside his house. It'll get him worked up, but that's okay. Park beside his house too. All right. That, that's great. If, if you have any questions between now and then, please don't hesitate to ask me even, even this evening. Um, we will be doing a full service. So come ready to give your tithes and offerings and, 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 and come ready to praise and worship the Lord. And, and we're going to be loud. We're going to be louder than what I'm sure they're used to over there. But that's great. That'll wake some of these people up that are over there that need to be awake, w- waked up, woken, awoken, whatever the word might be. Okay? So I love you all, and I hope to see you there. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Troy. And on that note, the way I understand, there's not going to be uh, children's ministry over there, but there will be nursery here at the building. So nursery is open here for the children. Yeah, the children right. Nursery will be here at the building. rest of you take your children with you. All right, the ladies' breakfast is coming up October 15th, so there's going to be, or maybe is already, a sign-up sheet in the back. Also, men's breakfast on October 22nd. Sign-up sheet should be in the back for that as well. And if you look in your bulletin, you'll see that there's a CPR medical trauma training that we have, um, a weekend of that, coming up the end of October. Registration is necessary if you want to be a part of that. So, the, it, Debbie's number is in here if you want to call her to register. So we don't have a a sign up sheet for that. Call Debbie. I had another thing that I wanted to um, announce, and in my hurry to get ready for the wedding, I left the pertinent information. But I'm going to say about it. So, 40 Days for Life is doing a 40 day prayer vigil. So. Maybe some of you weren't aware that Planned Parenthood used to have a location in Lancaster, and for whatever reason they left. Do you, I don't remember why, but anyways, they weren't there. Now they're back. Now they have a new location, I believe, on Manor Street. And um, Forty Days for Life is doing a forty days of prayer. Um, from they're going to yeah. So for the next forty days, starting September twenty eighth. 40 days forward, and it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. You can sign up to take one-hour slots. So there was a website that you could go to. I want to have it in the bulletin. The reason I'm mentioning it now, I want you to be thinking. I want you to be thinking about your schedule and how you could be a part of that. Um, There's a website where you can go on. You have to kind of create an account. And then you can choose the slot that you want and sign up. Or you can call the leader of that. Her name is Yvette Freeman, and there's a number. So I was going to have both of those things here to where I could, you know, have you write it down, give it out some way. But you could also call this lady and say, hey, you know, I really want to be part of that. What what do you have available? And you can get on that way. I would love to see us um, represent and come out. And this is something we can do in the fight for life, right in our back street backyard going to the building so you take an hour slot and you go to the location on manor street and yeah you you sign up I, i went and checked out the website and they just have you know all the dates on the calendar and you just choose the one that you want and the time slot that you're going that's going to work for you and you sign up all right well let's prepare to return um mission giving so if you need a cash envelope to for the mission offering raise your hand and ushers will bring that to you you know at the end of that scripture that I read in Luke it says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so just put your treasure where you want your heart to be where do you want your heart to be if I want my heart to be in the things of the Lord then I'm going to put my treasure there and um that's where true prosperity is at amen so take a hold of your missions giving and let's pray over let's pray over that father we just grateful again that we have the ability to sow into the things of god to sow into these ministries and so i just call these ministries blessed i ask you lord to multiply the money, the funds that are going to them, that it would go further even than what we can see in the natural. And, Lord, that whatever these particular ministries are facing, if maybe that some of them are facing some obstacles or some pretty big needs in, in their lives, I, I just ask that you bring that in, that it would be speedy, that it would be on time, and that it would just be over and above what they could possibly think or ask, and that you'd just bless them the individuals that are working, that are, have answered the call of God in their life, Lord, that, they, that you would just pour out your goodness upon them. And, yeah, thank you, Lord, for, these, for the givers. I just ask that your blessing be upon them as well, as you promised, that those that give to the poor lend to the Lord. And so we just thank you for the promises you've given us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And ushers, you can pass the baskets, and people will give to the Lord with a cheerful heart.
1: So next week, we will be praising and worshiping and being ministered to in power, 100% correct, although um, Apostle Dale is going to be ministering to us. I'll be there, but he's going to be ministering, so uh, I will not be the speaker as, as Troy thought I was. All right, if you would, it looks like you've lifted the offering, so you won't be in the way if I ask you to join me standing up. You all seem so silent and somber tonight. I don't know what went on before we got here, but are you guys all right? Okay, maybe it's just the weightiness of the Lord is resting upon you. Yeah, we came from a celebration environment, a wedding, but you know, we need to keep celebrating, right? They had a had a beautiful wedding, and it was still in the middle of it all, and we were able to race away and join you guys. So, so good to be here with you. We had a wonderful time down in Florida, um, my wife and I, as we were down there last weekend, and uh, we were at a leadership training seminar that was a Bible-based thing, and and it was just a, very good to be there. And it strengthened us. And I can't say it was really restful. You know how those things are. But yet it was still um, strengthening to us. And so we're real grateful that you guys were willing to uh, let us go away for a weekend to do that. In fact, just a little bit about it um, that, that company, they have a secular version of what we went to. And that's what my wife and I had gone to back in 2003. And what the Lord used to set us up for the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit a number of years later when we received that information. One of the things that they, they everything in their seminar they base it on Bible principles but because they were giving it to a secular audience they were not putting Bible verses to the principles that they taught. There's are still Bible principles, they just weren't putting references and verses to it. Well, because we knew our Bible going into it, we immediately recognized what it was. You know, well, that's a Bible verse. Well, that's a Bible verse. And and so it really ministered to us and it got us to get out of our old way of thinking and in the in-rut way of thinking that we'd grown accustomed to, which set us up for a number of years later when new ideas about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hi, Jim. I was just thinking about you this week. It's so good to see you here. Hallelujah. I was listening to an old sermon and and you two came up and you shared um, here at the front and about picking up Dan and Betty and I just was again blessed by you guys' hearts of service in that way. Anyway, so that, that, those truths set us up for when someone came along and gave us the information from Scripture about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So now coming full circle on it, they also offer a class that is with Bible and Scripture and verses put to it. So we wanted to go back to that and um, sit in that environment, and it was really, really good for us.